I think the problem I had was not losing a job. The problem I had was I lost it out of my own control. In 2008, I made the same decision, but I made the decision. So I think the problem was not the job. So once I disassociated with the event and I figured out what was emotional that was really troubling me, it kind of became very clear. I just need to make sure I get control back. And how do you get a control back? Finding another job is not going to be a way to get a control back. Finding another job is going to be okay, which I can find very easily now that I'm in a better state of mind. That was the only way I could flip the switch for me. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting down with Socket Jane today. Today's episode is unbelievably powerful. It is one that will allow us to shift from a lack or a losing mentality to a winning mentality and allow us to overcome and really immerse ourselves in the gifts, the tremendous gifts and the tremendous opportunities that come from adversity. Whether you're experiencing an adversity currently right now, or whether you have in the past, or whether you plan to be in the future, by the way, if we're going to achieve big goals in real estate or in life, it is inevitable that we are going to face adversity. So today's episode is for you. If you want to train your brain, if you want to create the opportunity to receive the tremendous gifts from adversity. Today's episode is for you. Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and entrepreneur. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts that help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. I want to invite you to pay the fee. The fee is to pay it forward. Share this episode with a friend. All you have to do is send it in a text message, email, or social media, or just mention it to someone else next time you're in person with them. If you've already done that in the past, thank you so much. We just asked you to do that one more time today. That's a fee for listening today. Otherwise, it's 100% for free. If it is your first time listening to Elevate, welcome. We are so excited to pour into your cup today. And I'm telling you, today's episode is unbelievably powerful. It is life-changing. I think you're going to find a sense of urgency to making an impact and doing what is most true to your essence today through real estate and beyond. Also, give us a rating, a review, subscribe, and follow Elevate Podcast. We ask that you do that. We're going to continue to pour in your cup. Before we dive into this conversation, let me introduce you to Socket Jane, who is a number one best-selling author, investor, syndicator, tech enthusiast, and philanthropist. He is the founder and CEO of Impact Wealth Builders, where he's passionate about achieving financial freedom through real estate. He has over 15 years of experience in real estate investing. Over the last five years, he has taken a particular interest in class B and C multifamily apartments and markets that have strong fundamentals. Socket, along with his partners, has built a portfolio of over 2,000 units, totaling 200 million in assets across several U.S. markets, generating consistent double-digit annual returns. In addition to investing, Socket currently serves as the business operations leader at Airbnb headquarters. Prior to that, Socket in his role as a business consultant built, launched, and led profitable new ventures in the technology and financial sectors. When not investing or working, Socket loves time with his wife of 19 years and two daughters. Without further ado, please enjoy this life-changing discussion with Socket Jane. Socket Jane, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Tyler, for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here, man. It was a lot of fun to uh, really kind of get to know you. I mean, obviously, we've we've been connected here for a few months, and we just really got to know each other before this conversation. So now Elevate Nation gets to get to know you at the same time that I'm also immersing myself in this relationship. So thanks so much for being on the show today. Man, before we dive in or as we dive into this conversation, introduce yourself a bit to Elevate Nation. Talk a little bit about your backstory, your upbringing, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if my accent didn't give away or if my name didn't give away, I grew up I grew up in India. I've moved to the U.S. in 2000, yeah, May of May 4th of 2000. I remember the date. So it's been 22 years, great journey. And, you know, being from an Indian background, real estate was always in the blood. That's the real assets is what we believe in. 
back home. So as soon as I came here, within the first two years, I started buying real estate for me. But I think the mechanics of the real estate wasn't clear to me. I was just buying it because I knew it was going to appreciate. But I didn't know the entire component of that until... So I bought a bunch of properties along the way. And back in 2016 is when the major shift happened for me. I got laid off. A little bit of backstory on that. Like any other immigrant, education and pedigree was the most important thing to me at that time. So I went to IIT. It's one of the best engineering schools in India. I got my MBA from Columbia Business School. I worked for Booz Allen, which was one of the top consulting firms, right? Everything is all about, I got to do the best as, as much as possible. So in 2016, when I got laid up, I was shook to the core. Because I'm like, you know, I've done everything right in my life. Studied hard. I was a topper at my school, honor student at Columbia. Like everything was right. So this can't happen to me. But of course, it did happen to me. So I was devastated. We had to move our kids out of private school. You know, we got to move out of state states, move with my in-laws. Everything that you can imagine that's going to be a shameful for a man who can't provide anymore, it happened to me. But at that time, luckily... At about three-month point time in that process, I was able to shift my script from why me and why now to why not me and why not now. And Tyler, to be honest, that one negative word changed my entire trajectory because that has been the muscle I've lived through in any adversity now, right? Because I wanted to make sure that it's happening to me for a reason. And let's not fight that reason. Let's just embrace it and figure out how I'm going to move forward. And the lesson for me was I will never let anyone in the entire world affect my financial trajectory, which impacts my family, myself, and everyone else, right? So I'm going to take control of that. Now, I may still not do well, but I'm going to be the only one to be blamed. And when I started looking at that, cash flowing assets became the forefront of my research. I started looking into oil and gas. I started looking at other businesses and real estate being very familiar to me, it just trumped it. So we started acquiring single families. And as you know, came to a point where it's going to take me thousands of lifetimes to scale to a point where I need to get to a point where it's going to make a material difference in my lifestyle. So we quickly pivoted towards multifamily. And since then, we've invested in over 2,000 units. I'm a syndicator now. We actively invest in a lot of our deals. That's kind of like a little backstory. The only thing I would add to that is everything that we do is purpose-driven. Life's too short. Uh, in the last few years, I've lost a lot of family members through COVID and through other things. I don't know how much time I have in plan to it. So let's just figure out what's going to be our impact. So what we do is we redirect our profits through our syndications to providing education to underprivileged kids. Our goal and our mission is to touch young 100,000 young lives by the end of 2030. So we'll see if we can get there, but we're that's our goal. That is an amazing mission, man. Well, I want to go back a little bit because, man, there was a, quite a distinction there when you talked about being laid off in 2016. Obviously, that shook you to your core and it probably shook your ego to its core, oh, you know, in, man, in, the, yeah. in the most highest regard. And that is a really interesting script that you were able to shift and thinking about that, why me to then shift that to why not me? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're in that circumstance and there's all these things that feel like they're going against you. And of course, you know, Elevate, we're all about mindset, mind expansion and personal development for high performing real estate investing. So talk to me a little bit about how you were able to make that shift at that point in time from that dialogue. It was really a dialogue that you were having. It is. It is. I think there's a, there's a backstory. Everything has a backstory. Uh, you know, the backstory for me is back in 2008, I actually moved into a monastery setting and I was living with monks. We were meditating together, like we were doing yoga together. We were doing anything that uh, you can do, but making money. And that had impacted my life a lot. And But what happened is when I moved out of the monastery, I had lost touch with that. So I think it took me about three months of me complaining and crying and being very depressed to then figure out to go back to that experience in 2008 when I had, we had sold everything we had in the US, except a few properties that we kept. And then we moved in right to this market because our goal was to become lifetime volunteers. We're like, you know what? People can give money, we'll give time because that's what we had ample for. We could carve that out. At that time, we didn't have kids. So when I went back to that time in 2008, I mean, I saw my trajectory from being in a monastery to where I was by 2016, 2016. It's not another world, right? I just need to now figure out, instead of thinking, oh, I lost everything, which I did not. Back in 2008, it was an intentional decision. I think the problem I had was not losing a job. The problem I had was I lost it out of my own control. In 2008, I made the same decision, but I made the decision. So I think the problem was not the job. So once I disassociated with the event and I figured out what was emotional that was really troubling me, it kind of became very clear. I just need to make sure I get control back. 
And how do you get a control back? Finding another job is not going to be a way to get a control back. Finding another job is going to be okay, which I can find very easily now that I'm in a better state of mind. That was the only way I could flip the switch for me. Now, what I say to a lot of folks is not everyone has to sell everything and move to a monastery to go through that experience, right? I think part of that is everyone has lost something in their life. And if you remember that, any adversity you're having in your life right now, if you go back to that time, you'll realize it will be okay. You will be okay. The problem, I think, with most of us is we don't pause and we don't self-reflect and we don't have a mechanism or the muscle to go back to that time. So if one thing I could say to your listeners is do it when everything is going well, right? Build that muscle when everything is going back of going back into that time where you had lost something that you felt that you shouldn't have lost and rethink about it and build those emotions and bring it to your conscious memory. So when an adversity hit, because it's not if an adversity hit, life is interesting. It's a when an adversity hit, it's going to hit you at some point. You don't have to think about it. That muscle is already there. That muscle memory is there and it's going to come back to you and you're going to be able to overcome that much faster. I completely agree, man. And I think that that is such a powerful share. And I really appreciate that. And one of the things I think about when you when you say pause and self-reflect and you talk about building that muscle, mm -hmm. I, I would love to know, I mean, it was obviously three months of depression, complaining, crying, all these things that you went through. All of a sudden, it's like a light switch came on and you're like, wait a minute, I trained myself eight years ago to prepare yeah. for this moment. And so perhaps maybe I'm saying that right. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. You could correct me if, if that is wrong, but talk to me about that. But then also talk to me about that pause and self-reflection in terms of building that muscle and how people can integrate that into their daily practice or rituals. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing that I have learned is you know, the, the concept of gratitude is very common in the U.S., at least in the West, I should say, not in the U.S., even in India as well growing up, but it's more articulated here. So I think one thing that's missing from that is you should be thankful for whatever is in your life. Well, I think it's more important to be thankful for the adversities you are you're facing in your life. And if you start bringing the gratitude, attitude of gratitude towards adversity, that's the only reason you can bring the muscle. If you remind yourself of adversity being a positive rather than adversity being a negative, because right now, you know, all of our vocabulary is the word adversity is negative in general. So we look at adversity as it's something that should not happen to me. When we think about it, that's a relationship of adversity. I think adversity is actually the biggest opportunity that life can provide you because that's where the most amount of growth happens. It has happened for me. I'm sure Tyler does happen to you. And I'm sure your listeners, it's the moments of adversity that grew the most. When everything is going well, you're not growing. What I'm saying is don't look for adversity. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is adversities will be presented to you in your life. So if you build that attitude of gratitude towards that, I think that muscle is going to automatically build. That's the piece that was missing for me. It took me three months of crying to get there, but I'm thankful that I got there because thankfully a similar incident had happened to me in the past, not the same nature, but at least the pattern was same. And I was able to make that connection. What I can't tell is, because I've been asked this several times, is how did that connection happen one fine morning? I'm like, that's something I don't know because subconscious mind works in an amazing way. I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really tell you X, Y, and Z led to A, B, and C. But I can tell you is that subconsciously I was ready. I just needed to get my subconscious mind to act, to be able to react to what was happening. You know, it's so funny because in these moments, you know, even if you have trained your mind, sometimes it's like we forget that adversity is the greatest opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, well, wait a minute. If we train our mind over time in that moment, we can go back to our training and fall to the level of our training. And I think we're, that's where we really find the growth. But it is interesting in those moments, we still forget that this mm -hmm. adversity and this challenge is a gift. Does that resonate with you? It does. It does. And you know what I have done because I never want to take three months to recover anymore. Right. So my goal is to, when an adversity is not an if, is that I have a support system around me that actually knows my story and reminds me and gives me the power back to say that, hey, you know what? This is not new. Yes, you want to cry, cry. That's okay. But figure out a time. So I have now figured out, established myself a room. If I'm going to be sad about something or I'm going to be depressed about something, I'm going to give myself a timeline. Now, I may never meet that timeline, but that's a mental check for me that I have a minute, an hour, a day, a month, whatever the time frame is. That's a mental check for me. Okay, I can cry till then. I'm never going to ask any questions till then. But when that happens, when that time frame comes, and, and I have accountability partners to, to make sure they remind me of that, at that moment, it's a mental check. Do I still want to continue crying? 
or not. It's a pause. It's a forced pause that I have introduced in my life. It has worked for me. And I can't say it'll work for everyone. It has worked for me. But the biggest challenge always is your first reaction is, I don't care how many adversity. This is the worst adversity I've faced till now, right? That is the mental script that we all tell ourselves. But instead we're saying is, I have overcome all the previous adversities. I will be fine here too. I just don't know how. And that's very empowering. Now, I know it's easier said than done. Very easy to say it, but very hard to do it. I think that's where the personalization of that concept will come, where you will have to figure out your checks and balances. I have coaches for every aspect of my life. I think we share a coach, Trevor McGregor. So he keeps me in check a lot of times. Whenever I'm going through some stuff, he knows my stories. My wife knows my stories. Like my kids now know my stories. I'm basically having say, you're doing this and they are trying to build a pattern for me if I'm not being honest with myself. So many great tools that you shared with us there. I mean, obviously surrounding yourself in a support system, you know, giving yourself a timeline to kind of ruminate in those feelings or those emotions. Mm -hmm. This is also another reason why I think conditioning our minds for success is such an important thing to do. And ultimately you think about like these mantras, like, Hey, you know, problems are gifts. Life happens for me, not to me. Like those things, you know, it's like when the sun is shining and you know, we don't need to fix the roof. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Those are great yeah. things. But in those moments, it's, it's amazing how powerful just reminding yourselves of those type of mantras and those type of thoughts can be because it's like, well, wait a minute, if I just trust the process and that thought is true, what am I actually looking for? It's like, well, I'm looking for positive things. I'm looking for the gift in this challenge. And when you do that, you know, things show up and you see opportunities to take action and you see opportunities to grow through that. Yeah. And you know what? There's actually a scientific explanation of why that happens. I'm probably going to butcher the whole thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to make an attempt at it. There's a little part behind your brain called amygdala, right? That is the one that takes over. And the only way, which essentially is a fight or fight or flight syndrome, right? When there's a stress in your life, amygdala takes over and the body's survival mechanism kicks in. Your tons of hormones are getting released. So what happens is our goal is to hijack the amygdala. You just need a microsecond pause there. You don't even need a minute of thinking, right? You basically need a way when you feel that you're going through a stressful situation, if you can just pause. There's a very good mentor of mine. He basically says that build a habit of every one hour, regardless of what's happening in your life, to take a two second pause in whatever is happening and remind yourself that you're thankful to be alive. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Consciously remind yourself because now what you're doing is if you've been practicing that for a while, it's like brushing. Nobody forgets to brush their teeth when they're sad. Nobody, nobody, at least nobody I know. I didn't, I still brushed, I still ate, right? Because it became a habit. It didn't think that, it didn't believe that we were doing something out of the normal. So if you actually build a habit when, you, when things are going fine with you, and I'm sure all of us as a child, our mom and dad and our, our caretakers forced us to do that. That's where the accountability partners come in. That's where the coaches come in, right? Where they're forcing you to adopt a habit when things are going good for you. So when the adversities do kick in and they will kick in, you don't have, to, it's like brushing your teeth and you're able to overcome that a little bit faster. Not saying it's easy, but you have the tools to recover. Socket, this is so good. And one of the habits that I feel like is almost a meta habit here is bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Oh, definitely. And being aware of what the amygdala is doing. Right. And it's creating sort of a response in your body that feels stressed out or feels fearful. And yeah. when you bring that unconscious to the conscious, then you can take control. Does that make sense? It does, right? So that, I'll, I'll just add on to that one more thing. I think it's more about, you got to give your feelings a name, right? Because, uh, you know, what we're saying is, I am sad. Now you're basically saying your identity is sadness. You're basically saying, because of this, I'm not feeling the right way. Because of something. And now you have at least figured out, okay, I need to change this or I need to change that. When you're basically saying, I am sadness, that's the message you're sending to your subconscious. So the words are very, very important. You know, you know that. You're a Tony fan. I'm a Tony fan. Thoughts become actions. Thoughts play some results, right? So if you want a certain action, you got to change your thoughts. But if you're feeling negatively to your thought process, then the actions, the results are not going to be what you want. So it's a feedback loop that works to yourself creating. And now again, everything is fine when the shun is signed. I think the key question you are you have asked us, which is a very important question, is how do we remember it when things are not going the way we want it to be? I think that's where the key is going to be. The only way is not at the moment of like, you know, athletes. They practice the game before the game. So when they're in the game, 
they don't have to think about the think about these strategies. The strategies become etched into their brain. Same exact what we need to do is when an adversity hits it, we're in a game, we're in a war. You can't learn how to throw an arrow or shoot an arrow during the war. You have to learn that before. Now, when the war happens, you know how to do it, right? Uh, you may still get killed. That's okay. But at least at least you know how to do it, right? I think that's the key part. What we're trying to say is that bring that practice, bring that intentionality. Don't worry about, I will forget it when the adversity happens. If you do these things consistently, I mean, I have seen my time to recover from adversities are shortened down. I mean, in some cases it has gone to seconds, but that's not because I'm better than anybody else. It's because I am doing this more consciously because I, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm suffering for months. It is hard and no one's happy, not you, but people around you are even more unhappy, seeing you unhappy. So it doesn't help anyone. And where focus goes, energy flows. I mean, at the end of the oh, day, yes, if you're focusing definitely. on the negative, you're getting more negative. You're focusing on depression. If you're focusing on fear, if you're focusing on lack, yeah. then you get more of that. And what we're talking about is fixing the roof when the sun is shining. Frankly, if you if you really go right. back to it, it's yeah, you know, we might have rain at some point in time. Yeah. So let's go ahead and fix this roof when it's a beautiful day. And these are really two millimeter shifts. Instead of saying I am, like you you mentioned, I mean, this is these are very powerful things that we don't almost don't recognize at times. It's like I am tired. I am, you know, right. I am fearful or I am whatever. Our life's life's hard. Life's hard. We've heard life's stressful, everyone's stressed. We're basically telling these rational lies to ourselves. And We're that's, constructing that's our insane. identity as a result. Correct. And you know, it's kind of funny because somebody did a thought experiment with me. I had never thought about it. Don't think about monkey. Do not, please don't think about the monkeys. And the only thing you think about is monkeys because our brain does not know negative. Well, that's, you know what that is? That's neuro-linguistic programming. Oh, is that what's called NLP? That's what that oh, is. there you go. I, I did mean, not know that. Well, it's like if you're talking to a kid and you say, don't cross the street, what are they thinking about? Crossing, Crossing the street. Crossing the street. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same with us. I mean, you know, when you, we, we don't hear the do not, we hear the action or action. the embedded yeah. command, which is what you just shared there. That's very interesting. Yeah. So that's what I think my mission is for myself and for others is many people. There are many people who can tell the mechanics of real estate investing or mechanics of being step one through step 10. And after here, 10 of them, everything is going to be the same. All right. I think the goal, and you know it, Tyler, that it's less about the mechanics. It's more about the mindset because uh, you can you can master the mechanics much faster. It's the mindset that takes a lot of time. And you get to swim upstream a little bit. And that's really what we're talking about here. And I learned this lesson the hard way. I mean, my first deal was extremely challenging. And as a result, I was extremely stressed out and I couldn't sleep at night and all these different things. And I was like just running myself into the ground. And when I finally got out of that mess, just through pure effort and resiliency and all these things, I was thankful to look back and say, wow, I, I made it through and I made it to the other side. and It was all successful. It was fine. But then I said, look, I'm anticipating that that circumstance or some set of circumstances, some adversity is going to happen again. So how can I train myself and be prepared for that? Because I didn't feel like I was prepared for that. I felt like I was on my heels at that point in time. And you know, it almost feels like, hey, you know what, if you've been in that circumstance, if you're a listener, and you've been through that circumstance, or you're, you're looking to grow as an investor, you're looking to design a life and make an impact, you've got to anticipate adversity and you've got to train yourself. You got to be prepared for that ahead of time. Yeah, Tyler, you know, but I think, I think you hit something on the nail, nail on the head there, right? Because I think one of the biggest thing is when I listen to podcasts before, everything sounds so easy. And just like you, my first deal was a mess. I jumped from single family to my first deal as a 262 unit, three building portfolio. Like I can do it, right? I found the deal myself. I negotiated it. I found all the partners. I put the whole structure together myself. I was feeling, this was two years ago, and I was very, very happy with my own success until two weeks before the closing, our loan proceeds got cut by $2.6 million. We lost a lot of money, but it also taught me a lot of, I mean, this is the most expensive college education I've ever received, but is the most effective and impactful college education I've ever received. Because, you know, I was forced to reflect back just like you, as in, it is no matter how smart you are or not smart you are, things are not going to work the way you plan to work, right? And that's where you, you need to start planning for not how to make things better is who do you call? I didn't have anyone to call when I did that. 
because I didn't build the ecosystem. I thought I could do it all by myself, right? Because I thought, I, I mean, I have all the smartness in the world that I need, but it doesn't take the smartness, right? It's really different. You could be an A-class student in your school, which I was, unfortunately, now thinking back, I should have been a C student. I never thought about building an ecosystem of support system. It's who, not how. I was focusing on the how instead of the who. And I've shifted that script for me now as in I'm more paying more attention and intentionality about who I'm talking to, who I'm bringing into the team. What am I, what are, what are their skills that how I can help them and add value. And eventually if I have to make a cold phone call, I know who to call. It's amazing how this business can humble us, you know, in many regards, it can give us confidence to continue forward and yeah. continue to push forward. But there are times where we can be humbled. And I think there's tremendous value in that, right? Because it's there a is. long game. And now because of that, you didn't build an ecosystem. Now you're building an ecosystem. You've built an ecosystem that's continuing to grow. I just think it's amazing. Let's kind of go back a little bit and let's talk about sort of your trajectory now in real estate. Obviously, that circumstance in 2016 really shook you, but it really gave you the opportunity to, you know, prepare for for continued adversity, continue to grow through that adversity. So talk to me a little bit about Impact Wealth Builders and when that came about and when sort of where the idea came from. Yeah, definitely. So we were a different company. So I started investing in real estate and multifamily more specifically in 2017-ish timeframe. We were called a very different company back then. But what again, there's a few backstories there. So we'll go back one step back to cover the context and then then it'll all start to make sense. So um, Impact Wealth Builders was conceptualized last year. Or actually, it, I think that the seeds were put in last year, but the company was launched this year. So it's a very new name, but a fairly old or relatively older existence. You rebranded it. We rebranded it. Correct. Thank you for that word. Uh, that's what I was looking for. We Come on, man. I'm a marketer, man. You know, that's you like, let's put, let's, let's label this thing. You rebranded it. We rebranded it. <laughs> yeah. So the, what happened in 2021, I think I briefly mentioned it. I lost five family members in my family. Three of my uncles that I was really close to back in India, my sister who was two years older than me, and then my mom three months after that. Right? I didn't pay much attention to it. Yes, I was devastated. Yes, I was sad. You know, again, a lot of guilt and everything because I had not back, been back home in five years. As an immigrant, the whole thing is, why did I come here? I could have uh, been with the family and all that stuff, right? But then in January, I got hit by COVID pretty bad. I was almost gone. I was bedridden for like 20 days. I was almost gone. I recovered from that. Then my brother had a heart attack. I'm like, you know what? One person, not this much loss of life and hurt should happen to one person in one shot, in such a short span. I wasn't complaining about it. I think the way, the reason I had consciously built mechanisms for me to think, I was trying to think, what is life trying to teach me? Um, yes, I'm sad. Yes, I'm unhappy. Yes, I suffer the loss. But what is really the lesson here? Because there's something I'm missing. And until I learn that lesson, uh, life's not going to stop teaching me that lesson. And the next lesson is going to be harder than the first one. So for us, it was really going back to 2008, right? For me and my wife, when we started, sat, when sat down and, and did our vision boards and stuff, we're like, you know what, let's think of what, what is that that we're really trying to do? Why did we go to live in a monastery in 2008? And the biggest impetus for that decision, Tyler, back then was, we were trying to add more value, add more impact. We found it's not a monastery. It's actually called an ashram, which is a yoga and meditation um, space. And as part of the secondary part of their offering was they were also doing running programs at the grassroots level. So we were actually visiting villages and talking to people who didn't have a lot of means. They didn't know where the meals are going to come from. And we got impacted a lot, but along the way, we lost it. So I think now what we, our interpretation of life's teaching for us was life's too short, right? Our goal, I mean, that goal was always in our mind, but we thought that, you know what, when we make our uh, money that we needed to make at that time, we'll go back and do some philanthropy, right? It was always not, it was an if and else. I think what life, what our learning from that is, there is no if and else in life because you may not have the time. You may not be alive, right? Look at my sister who was two years older than me. She's gone. I don't know what her life dreams was, what she had postponed. So we actually started thinking about what is going to be our impact, right? If you were to be gone in the next one year, two years, one day, who knows, what next hour, uh, what is that we want to do in that short span of time? So what we did at that time was, you know what, we'll go back to our passion. The reason why we left everything in 2008, let's bring that intentionality back now. However, what we also realized in that back in 2008, 2010 timeframe is we realized money is not the most important thing, but we also realized money is needed if you want to amplify the impact. So what we wanted to do at this time is we have been gifted a skill set. We have invested a lot of time. 
we kind of know how to make money. Uh, we may not be a billionaire, but we know how to invest and do well for ourselves and for others. So let's just basically take that model and add some more legs to it. That's time we basically thought about having our mission lead us forward. But uh, what we're now doing is we partner with our investors who invest in the deals like us, but we then take away our profits. We don't put the burden on the investor. Hey, you got to take 2% of your investments and invest in our, in our causes. If they want to, they're more than welcome. They're aware of it. But you know, we don't know their life situations. We don't know their financial responsibilities. We have no idea what they have to do in their own lives. And we don't want to be as arrogant as we say that, you know, 2% is not going to affect anything. Who are we to say 2% is not going to change people's lives? It may, right? So we basically took it upon us. We redirect our profits, part of our profits, to now these social causes. And for us, the biggest social cause is providing education to underprivileged kids. We have since provided education for about 50. Uh, as I said, our goal is to hit the 100,000 mark. Hopefully we can exceed it, but that's our goal. That's our target. And that's really what keeps us going, man. That's the story, the creation story behind Impact Well Builders. I love that, man. It almost feels like the lessons that you learned by the very challenging circumstances that you went through with your family. And by the way, I'm so sorry to hear about all of those losses. And so, you know, all of our, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, but it almost feels like the lesson that you got as a result is the urgency to make an impact. And instead of saying, you know, it's almost like, you know, I, and I can reflect on my own experiences to where it's like, I, I find certain breakthroughs in my life to impact that I want to make. And then I almost file that in the back of the cabinet and say, you know, at some point I will do that. And eight years later, you know, you go through the circumstance and now obviously fast forwarding even further, six years further, there was a sense of urgency that you feel, you know, almost came about. Out. And now you're like, look, I don't know how much time I have. And I think that's a realization that many of us really need to course correct on and recognize. Yeah. We don't know how much time we have now. I believe, let me just say this. I believe in tremendous longevity and all of the things that, you know, are really coming about from a biotechnology standpoint and, you know, all of these different breakthroughs from a scientific perspective, which is very exciting. And at the same time, we don't know how long we have. So yeah. we've got to do it today. We got to do it now. Yeah. I, th- I think part of that is, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because you're right. All with all the innovation that's happening in biotech, and we're, I think, all of us in our lifetimes probably gonna we're gonna cross 150. Someone's going to be 150, 150 years old in our generation. Uh, may not be you, may not be me, but somebody will. But in the even in that thought process, let's just say we were gonna live 150. Between now and 150, if you think about it, if you're gonna start, like I was talking to one of the investors, they said that I want to be 70. My path is. I want to be 70 and then I start and then I want to start doing good. And you know what? What I was telling them was there are two ways to look at it. You may not have till 70, but let's assume you have till 70. If you have till 70, you've lost 30 years of impact. And if you believe in the compounding theory, you could have impacted way more life between now and 150 than you would be between 70 and 150. If if that statement is true and we all believe that we have, we will live longer. And I believe in that, although we may not have the control for that, because some of the things are outside. Like I, I recently lost a nephew of mine who's 20 years old in a bike accident, right? No matter how much biotechnology would have innovated, that's something he didn't survive. We wouldn't have been able to save him. So that may happen. I mean, this show is not about morbidity, but it's a reminder of treating life with urgency. And if you're going to live longer, great. That's all the more reason why you should be urgent about the impact because you can now impact even more people. I love that. Thank you for reminding us all about that and and recognizing that there's good on both ends of this. Whether we have a hundred more years or whether we have two more years, there is a sense of urgency. So I think all of us can course correct on that today and, and reflect on that and, you know, sort of draw the way that we show up every single day in a bit more urgent perspective. One of the things you talked about earlier was sort of building that ecosystem. So I wanted to go back to that. And obviously what you're doing to be able to make that type of impact is, you know, applying the who, not how principles. Talk right. to me a little bit about building your ecosystem. What does that look like from a networking perspective and obviously just relationship building perspective? Yes, I think the, I'll go back to the first deal because uh, that's where I kind of knew what I wanted to focus on within real estate, within multifamily. I mean, you know, multifamily is a team sport environment. I know I'm preaching to the choir there. So everyone has a different role to play from investor relationships to finding a deal to building asset management skills to all of that stuff, right? I mean, there's so many different roles that people can play. What I found is if I reflected back at that time on my deal, it took the five months out of my life. I don't remember what I did. 
you know, five months, right? I didn't see my kids. And this is coming from a consultant who was essentially calling United Seat 1A as its home, right? This is coming from that. I did not see anybody because I was working full time at that time and I was building this new skill and I was trying to put all the pieces together all the while I'm not just risking my money, now I'm risking investors' money. So this added amount of pressure that, that was on me. What I realized when the deed fell apart was it's actually the best thing that had happened to me beyond other things. And the reason for that was it made me pause and think, what is the role I want to play? Do I want another nine to five job? Or do I want freedom? Or what, what am I after? Why am I picking real estate? Because we had achieved the financial freedom by then. So now we're trying to figure out is why am I doing this? Is it just a rut because I like to do it and I'm a workaholic? If that's the reason, that's okay. As long as the reason was clear to me, right? I'm never to say any reason is bad, it's, but you need to know that reason. So for us, it became is I'm not looking for, I'm, I'm trying to do this to make an impact. Right? That's the biggest goal. But the second biggest goal for me is to spend time with the family. So I'm realizing, okay, I have this role to play. And when I was clear, I needed to figure out who else do I need to surround now? Before my goal was I can do everything. So I didn't think about building an ecosystem. But now I'm thinking about, I only want to do this and I want to excel at that. And I want to beat everyone in that game. That was my goal. So, but I'm like, okay, if I can do, if I have to do that one thing, that's going to be my one thing. I cannot be focused on any other things. So now I need to find somebody to acquire the deal, somebody to ask to manage the deal, somebody to do X, Y, and Z around the whole thing, right? So like, you know what? I'm going to start intentionally looking at folks who have strengths in those areas. And I could partner with them and add value in the other areas that I'm good at. And it becomes a marriage, not of convenience, but of complement skills, right? That's the most important part of the marriage. If it's a marriage of convenience, it's going to fall apart. But if it's a marriage based on complemented skills and attitudes and aptitudes, it actually works very well because now you're one person has a strength, but they also have a weakness that somebody else can help them protect with their own strengths. So that's really where I started building my ecosystem. So I need to look at what are the different strengths I need in my life to be successful in this area? Where, will, where can I find them? And uh, who can get me there fastest? So I joined masterminds. I had coaches, right? I've talked to people like yourselves who have been in this industry for longer than me and kind of like how they built their ecosystems. So it was, again, started focusing on now I know what to get. Now it's easier to figure out the how. The problem in the previous approach was I just knew I needed to be successful, but I didn't know why I needed there at what price, at what cost, right? So that self-reflection helped me identify. Once it was clear of my path, man, it just became so much easier. And I always say that uh, when the vision is clear, the strategy and the how will appear, the tactics will appear. When my strategy became clear, the tactics was very easy. Problem was I wasn't clear in my own head of what I really want to do. I just knew I wanted to do this. I just didn't know what aspect. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. So Socket, before we move into the rare air questionnaire, the rapid fire section of the podcast, you've got to tell us, man, what happened when the lender pulled proceeds by two point something million dollars? Yeah. What happened? Did you guys close on the deal? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. No, we did not. <laughs> you did not close the deal. <laughs> we did not because, you know, what happened was because it was my first deal, we couldn't raise $2.4 million. Like we tried different negotiation tactics with our uh, lender, with our seller, uh, but nothing worked. So we had two options at that point. We could have kicked the pan down the road and got another three or four months of extension at a certain cost. But what we felt as, or what I felt is, you know what, that's going to materially change the deal. What we underwrote the deal at an X amount, an X plus delta is not going to be the same returns. Uh, so now I had the money. We had $7 million in the bank. That's not the problem. The problem was 
do I go back to Tyler who trusted me in with his $100,000 or $500,000 in some cases to say, hey, you know what, you know what, the story I told you a month ago, it's actually changing. But trust me, this new story is even better. I could have done it. And I'm sure 50, 60, 80% of the investors would have stayed with us. But that just wasn't right. Because that's not the reason I wanted to get into this business of telling stories, right? I wanted to make sure now, if we could have still made the numbers work by waiting for some time, we would have. But there's no way. And I'm a number junkie. I can look at the numbers and figure it out. So I'm not afraid of that, but just we couldn't figure it out. So what we we did, what was the right thing at that point was we returned our investor capital and uh, we basically ate up the losses. Man, it's a long game and the yeah. business is not really for the faint of heart. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the preparation that we talked about today. I mean, preparing for adversity, preparing your own psychology, but also doing the right thing thing and surrounding yourself with the right ecosystem with people who recognize that no matter what, you're going to do the right thing. I think that's a great example. I mean, at that point, I didn't know any capital raises. I didn't even know what that meant. That terminology wasn't even clear to me. I had no idea. I didn't know what perfect. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And that's why the ecosystem is very, very important because you're going to hit a point where you're going to be not the smartest person in the room. And that's probably the best room you're going to be in. That happens to me every single day, it feels like, Socket. And yeah. uh, I don't know if that's destroying my ego or if it's lifting me up and it's pulling me in the great direction. I think it's keeping you on the path of growth, man, Tyler. Yeah. No question. Because if you if you knew all the answers, this would be too easy and boring and you won't do it. <laughs> That's so true, man. That's so true. Socket, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours good, and hours yeah. and, and really diving into the beautiful mind of yours. And as you continue to challenge yourself, I want to dive into the rare air questionnaire. It's a rapid fire section of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It really is about being uncommon. I mean, I think sort of making the shift and shifting the script in our dialogue is an uncommon practice, one that I would like to see become more common. But right. I I'd like to ask you a few questions uh, before we wrap today's episode. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? The most impactful book, not a business book, it's the book called Mindset by Carol Doyle, right? And that actually, I'm a friend of mine. I, I have to give him the credit. He showed me that book. It didn't make any sense to me at that point. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's just this woo-woo magic here, man. I don't even know what that means. Mindset. Everything is about action, right? You got to do it. But I think through adversities in my life, I started to realize that the terminology, because once you name a certain thing, it's easier to overcome that, right? And that book talks about two mindsets. I'm pretty sure you've heard it. I just don't know if you knew the origin. It came back from the, from the book, Fixed Mindset and Growth Mindset. So Carol Dahl is the one who essentially coined those two terms. That's the one book that I would say has, has impacted me the most. The second I would say is, which we've talked about the show a lot for now, Who, Not How. Definitely read that one. And the third one, which is all of our favorites, The Purple Book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, those three books, I think, are... I always go, I mean, there are tons of books. I read a book a month. So there are a lot of books that shaped my thinking, but those are the three books that have been life altering for me. Yeah. And going back to mindset, I mean, really, that's been the foundation of our conversation today is the fixed versus growth mindset. And Very I much. think when you recognize adversity is a tremendous growth opportunity, that's when you're really engaging in that growth mindset. And I think that's where tremendous opportunities lie. So thank you for that. We'll put links in the show notes as to those three books that you mentioned there today. And aside from our discussion, what we've already talked about today, I'd love to know what is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Besides what we've talked about? I will give you a pass if you'd like to re-highlight something that we've talked about today. But if there's anything else that you'd like to point to, I'd love to hear that I as think well. it's, it's really two things. One is, uh, and again, I don't want to make this show morbid, remind yourself of your mortality, that all of us have fixed time. One hour or 200 years, I don't know, but everyone has fixed timeline. Uh, we just don't know how much time. So if you're constantly reminded of yourself, yourself of morbidity, your mortality, you are going to bring sense of urgency in things that are most important to you. So I think, you know, people look at death as a negative thing. You can, but what I'm saying is use death as an inspiration. Because if you think you only are here for 100 more years, that's a very short time. That's not a lot of time, right? So why do things that you actually hate doing? Why be in a nine to five that you don't like? Just for what? To make 100K extra or 20K extra or 30K extra? Do something that you like or work at your job that you hate because you know it's a means to impact, create an impact somewhere else that you really like. So I think it's just one of, once you start looking at that, your mind's going to free up and it's going to open up the opportunities for you to see how to create, how to create a beautiful life with that sense of urgency. That's one. The second thing I would say is be thankful to the adversity in your life, right? 
those are a few things if I say that now I sometimes forget it, Tyler. I know I'm saying it easier than doing it. So I have reminders. I have checks and balances in my life to kind of make sure that, I mean, my wife is the biggest grounder for me. If I'm flying too high, she'll bring me down. But not in a negative way. It's like, it's fine. You know, something is going to remember that time, Zagat? I'm like, yes, I do. So he's like, yeah, let's not forget that. So let's bring the reality back into everything. Man, you are, I mean, you're speaking to the heart of so many listeners today. And I think that you're allowing people to sort of course correct um, and recognize, well, you know what? There is an opportunity for me to go back and for me to recognize. But actually, are there any tips for being thankful and remembering? Because I think that you've also given us a gift by saying, hey, look, I'm not perfect. And I don't do this in a perfect way by using death as an inspiration and remaining in a state of gratitude. Are there any checks and balances that you might point to in particular? You know, I think one thing is I used to, I asked a question to one of my mentors and coaches. I'm like, I don't know how to be grateful. I'm like, I can say it, I'm grateful, but I'm actually not grateful because I don't even know what that means. Right. I mean, it's a word that I didn't grow up with. It's a feeling that I didn't grow up with back in India. And when I came here, I heard that every single time be grateful. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Right. So I think what, what helped me, and I'm not sure if that's going to help your listeners or not, as in you may not understand exercising, what working out means, but if you work out is going to change you. I think that's exactly what it is. Right. As in, you know, there are micro, micro emotions. So if I'm happy, I'm smiling. But if I actually force smile, I will become happy. The reverse is also true. The same thing's true. If I'm feeling grateful, I'm going to be saying that I'm thankful. So if I'm actually saying I'm thankful, I may eventually start feeling grateful. So that reverse wasn't true for me. I didn't even know that connection. So I think part of that is articulating it, right? Part of that is journaling it. So whatever, however you want to let that emotion out, that you're feeling thankful, even though it may seem mechanical, right? Eventually, your emotional being is going to change. Your The sense of gratitude is going to overpower you. I think that's what you're looking for as a trigger. And once that happens, nobody has to remind you, you have to be thankful. Man, that's good stuff. And and it goes back to the earlier part of our conversation where we were talking about I am, you know, those those little embedded commands and how powerful words can be. And it's I am grateful. That could be a very powerful mantra to step into and recognize, well, wait a minute, I, maybe I don't feel that way, but perhaps that could be a leading indicator to get me to start to feel that way. Body language is another one I would point to. It's like if you're you're slouched over, if you're hunched over and you're, you know, you're kind of feeling small and feeling lack, well, then you're probably not going to feel grateful, but there's other circumstances, other ways to sit or stand or, you know, feel powerful mantras, again, habits, you know, building these sort of this dialogue into your habitual language, whether it's, you know, speaking to yourself, whether it's journaling. And I think all those things can lead to feeling, but I, I just think that there's a lot of really great tips there, man. So thank you for that, Socket. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Absolutely, man. This is so much fun. And I want to wrap up just real quickly. If you were to tell me, I mean, obviously, Impact Wealth Builders, you're making a tremendous impact on so many other people. But what is the number one and the biggest way that you are elevating others around you? What we do with Impact Wealth Builder is we partner with investors. Now, there are lots of investors, right? I mean, you know, there's $3.8 trillion. I'm pretty sure that number is increasing the moment we've talked of money that's sitting in the Wall Street, right? That you can actually bring to different investment types, which I know you're a proponent of as well. So what we do is we partner with them. But the biggest thing, the biggest difference for us is we do not partner with investors who do not have mission-oriented, who are not mission-oriented, right? For us, it's not about making money. Our mission has to be aligned. Now, we will work our butts off to make sure that we give our returns back to our investors, but uh, and we will. But that's not the only goal. If somebody is just looking to make money, they're not the right investors for us, right? So what we always do is we partner with them. And we build a thriving community of investors who are supporting each other to make sure that they grow together and build a community that they're proud of. So in order to do that, we're always looking at opportunities uh, that can help us. Currently, we have an opportunity in Myrtle Beach which is a 2022 built, recently built apartment complex, 252 unit. And we're, we're essentially creating those opportunities for our investors in an environment which is very, very risky and shaky and uncertain. Right? We have a fixed debt, low debt to equity ratio, about 60%. So we're trying to remove that variability so that the returns are in line with the risk that's happening in the market. But the investors still have the opportunity to continue to grow their wealth and gain their time back so they can focus on other things in life. I love that. And if the listeners want to learn more about that, where can they go? If you go to impactwealthbuilders.com, you go join our investor club. 
And when you join it, you will get a chance to schedule a personal call with me. So that call is not about the opportunity per se, but that's the call where I would understand if we're a fit for you and you're a fit for us. And then if there is, then we'll send you the information about the opportunity. I just don't want to put it out in public because as I said, I'm very particular with what investors I work with. And that's the only way I could, I could filter them out. Fantastic. Well, Socket Man, I just want to acknowledge you. Uh, obviously, you have done the work. You continue to do the work on yourself, and you're making such an amazing impact on other people, not only by your example, by the mechanisms that you are building into your investments and the way that you're building your business. So, man, I just want to acknowledge you. I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation? I'm going to borrow the word that Seth Gordon says, go make a ruckus. Life's too short. Do things that you really like. Drop the mic, my friend. Socket, Jane, until next time, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tyler. Elevate Nation. Oh, baby. Socket, Jane, bring in the absolute heat, tremendous value today in this episode. Wow. If you enjoyed this episode, just go ahead and share this with a friend and have a discussion because I can tell you that adversity is guaranteed and it's just a matter of what gifts do we receive as a result of going through that adversity and how are we training ourselves to be prepared to receive those gifts because ultimately it's either we get destroyed, we get taken advantage of, we lose or we win. And it comes down to that growth mindset. And ultimately I think that today's episode is an opportunity for us to condition our minds for continued and ongoing success, constant and never ending improvement. I'm just so thankful to have this opportunity to course correct myself. And I wanna invite you to look at the opportunity to do the same. What is it that you have perhaps had the opportunity to look at in a different light? And I think that today's opportunity, today's conversation really gives us that opportunity. So I just wanna thank you so much for listening. I also want to encourage you to identify what are your top one, two, or three key distinctions or takeaways from this episode. I want to invite you to listen to this episode again, because repetition is the mother of all skill. And also, by the way, you think about conditioning your mind for success, it is about those inputs, the inputs, you know, that we are not sometimes we're not aware of how powerful inputs are, you know, the music that we're listening to the podcast that we're listening to conversations that we're engaging in the books that we're reading the social media that we're consuming. Um, those things are extremely powerful. And repetition in this sense, can give you the opportunity of conditioning your mind so that it becomes natural that your dialogue is one that's empowering one that's strengthening your future, strengthening your growth and strengthening your capacity to achieve and surpass your goals. So ultimately that repetition gives you the opportunity of immersing yourself in that and becoming and strengthening that identity becoming that person that you want to become and maybe somebody that you've never even imagined that you could become. Ultimately, now the call and the challenge is to take massive action. So go out there and apply what you learned today. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.